Welcome to episode 20 of Design Much, how to test designs at every step, featuring Brett Gunter. Still good, sweet. All right, so Jose, um, we want to welcome you on the podcast, Brett. Thank you, excited to be here. Um, We're going to be talking about some cool stuff. I'm talking about how to test designs at every step. Yeah. So I'm excited about that because I think that's cool. It's pretty important. Um, So start off, Brett. Why? Why are we testing at every step? That's a great question. Um, I think. I think maybe to to preclude that question. I don't know if I said that word right, but. Uh, I, I think we don't test at every step. Um, I think we we know that testing is an important part of UX design, but we often skip it. I think it's important to test, though, because, uh, I mean, first of all, we're not our user, right? Um, even if you're designing a product that you use, the fact that you're a designer makes you not your user because you've got mm-hmm. different filters and different lenses that you're seeing your your designs through. Uh, and so just looking at something that you've designed and then deciding whether or not it's good is not enough. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, that's the, that is the point of UX design, right? Is to prototype, put it in front of somebody, see what's wrong with it, fix that, put it in front of them again, see what's wrong with it, fix that. Um, I think if you're not doing that, you're not really doing UX design. Okay. Um, not that, I mean, it's not a perfect world, right? We have to, of course. we skip testing sometimes, but... Yeah, so, so testing is obviously very important. Yeah, you have to be able to know like, if you're solving the problems that you set out to solve. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just designing something and you're doing it for yourself. Right. As you said, right? You're right. not the user, but if we're not testing, we're essentially deciding for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're designing in a vacuum. Right, and that's, I think, what you said too about the problem, right? We're, that's the point of testing is really to find out, is this solving the problem or not? Mm-hmm. And we lose that litmus test, I think, sometimes when we, we get into the test, we see them doing something and we get distracted by other things and forget to to focus on what's what we're really looking at there is is it solve the problem is it solving the problem or is it not yeah exactly so like so testing is important um we need to know for solving that problem so the next question for you is at what point should we be testing yeah i think right away as soon as as soon as you have an idea that you think could be um the answer right uh, we start testing it. Okay. I think we've, we've kind of, we think about prototyping in like three general steps. There's like whiteboarding, like scratching on paper. There's like wireframing or like low fidelity, right, with gray boxes and stuff. And then there's kind of the high fidelity prototype where it looks really pretty. And I think often what we do is we, we do the whiteboarding stuff and we come up with all these different options and then we sit and talk about it as designers. And we pick one from there and we take that to the low fidelity and we can kind of talk about it, we tweak it. Maybe sometimes we test that, but often I feel like we don't really get into heavy testing until we're at a high fidelity design. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, so here's the design. Let's, before we go code it, let's go and test it and see if it works. But it's so much easier to change something uh, if you've found out something's wrong in the whiteboarding stage or the low fidelity stage than it is by the time you've set your entire style. Right, and you're at that point. You're like, oh, everything we assumed about this product is wrong. <laughs> That's a much bigger oops than if you, you know, are testing at whiteboarding stage and realizing, oh, okay, we gotta 
we got to reevaluate here what we're looking at. Yeah. So when you do the early on thing, just to follow up on that, when you yeah. do the early on testing, um, <clears throat> how do you how do you go about testing an idea like that? Yeah, it's hard, uh, and I think that's why um, I often skip it because I, I do. I mean, I'm not. I, I won't lie and say I'm perfect at testing every <laughs> stage, but when you have this this idea, I mean, testing is the hardest part of UX design, I think, because we're really vulnerable, right? We're showing this idea, putting it in front of people, and ultimately, the first couple of times, usually, we're failing, right? And that's a hard thing to to admit to ourselves that we've that we failed, and that whiteboard stage, that really low fidelity stage. Uh, we know that there's things wrong with the idea. We haven't had a whole lot of time to think about it. Uh, and so it's it's difficult to subject that. Um, but I think, so I think that the first step in, in testing that is just to get over yourself and just know, be divorce yourself from the design, divorce yourself from the idea. Um, and you have to make the, the fidelity of the prototype. I, maybe you guys are great sketchers. I'm terrible at sketching. <laughs> And so if I'm I horrible at sketching yeah. and sketch. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, if I if I was to show a user a drawing I had on a whiteboard, uh, they probably wouldn't understand what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. As designers, we get really good at seeing the patterns and things and seeing a vision of what it could be. Right? We draw a box there, and we can see all the the intricate details that will go into that box to make it look finished and polished. We can imagine those. Users can't, um, and so. You have to you have to make your your designs high enough ability that somebody can understand what you're getting what you're getting across. But I think sometimes you can test things um, with at the whiteboard stage without actually showing designs. Like you can do card sorting to test sort of the navigation, the organization, which is kind of something you're looking at mm-hmm. here at whiteboarding stage. So you're not showing the user design, but by doing card sorting and saying, here's all the stuff that's going in organize it how you think it should be. You're validating is the way we've organized it in our whiteboard designs the same that the users are organizing it. Um, and you're, yeah, a good point. you're getting a little bit of test that way. Awesome. I like that a lot. And so um, when you're when you're doing this testing, especially like early on, early, are you trying to recruit a lot of people to do it? Like to, to, you know, to go through this test or to ask them questions? Or is it just like, like, what is the level of of people you're trying to test with, yeah. Typically. I think I think early on it's it's less. Uh, I think you increase the number, um, the, the higher you get, and there's a few reasons for that. I think one of the reasons is, um, I mean, from a business standpoint, you don't want to release your eggs too soon, right? If you're testing designs for something that's not going to come out for a year and a half, and and maybe competitors get a hold of that or whatever, and they're you're grabbing your ideas. So I think keeping it small for that is, is good. I know that's something that businesses worry about. Um, but also, I think there's minimal things that you're learning at that stage. Um, and the more complexity you add, the more you're learning. And so the more, I think, the, the higher the user base should be, uh, if, does, if that makes sense. I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm being very clear. but Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> no, because I think early on, too, like to that, to that point, I feel like early on you test... Um, you, you're testing bigger fundamental principles early on, and then as you get down to more high fidelity, you're starting to test smaller pieces. So yeah. when you test smaller pieces, you almost need a bigger sample size. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I, and that's a, I don't know at work. I know we're kind of in the early stages, but that's another thing that that I struggle with a lot. Uh, 
early stages, we test big picture things, really big concepts, right? We're not testing small micro UI interactions at this point. By the end, that's what we are testing. But we often test those things in the end in isolation. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll look at this interaction and we'll test this interaction and it's great. <clears throat> but everything changes when you put all of those things, those pieces together. Um, I was working on a project for a language learning app. And we had these things called workouts where we'd have activities that would go kind of one after another um, to teach users language, different parts of the language. Um, and we tested so thoroughly each one of those activities individually. And I knew the usability of them was awesome uh, and that those activities were accomplishing what we were hoping. But we never tested all of the activities together until we'd put a significant amount of code into the app. And when we <laughs> tested all the activities together, it was too long and too hard for the hmm. user to complete. And we had to scrap it and not completely scrap it. We had to redo a lot of design work uh, with that in mind. So you have to be careful that when you, when you get into those small pieces that you're not just focusing on those, those interactions in isolation. That is an important part too, I think, but you have to focus on those interactions in conjunction with all the other interactions as well to get the whole picture. And that's easy to do at the, the early stage, but it gets much more difficult to do at the larger stage because tests can be super long if you do that and you want to, don't want to take too much of your users' times. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I, mean, I, think, I think UX, we tend to not test UX. <laughs> we, we test a lot of interaction, right, and yeah. usability, but not the, the entire experience yeah. or even like the whole customer experience, right? Like how are they finding the product and, mm -hmm. and what is it like after using the product for six weeks? We test like that initial... I've never seen this page before. How do I do the thing I want to do? And that's really important, but we often just stop there. I got a, I got a kick at one point that I tested all my user tests at a, a previous place from the login screen. So however the new feature came in, and it did get kind of crazy. Like the test was was a little bit harder to to do, to perform, right. and like set up, especially if you're just using a prototyping tool because you got to set up. You had to set up all the different ways they could go, right, right inside the app because right. you didn't have the app really or whatever. So it was it was hard. To, it was difficult to test. But that's that's exactly what I was worried about. Was like, how does this new thing that we're creating actually go into the experience? It's like it's it's like a regression test, right? A QA regression test. Right. I think that's what you're talking about too. Is like we test these little tiny things, these these little tiny packages, but we never we never do a regression test. Right. on how that those things actually impact the the greater piece. I like what you said about testing early, too, because I think that gives you a sense of it. But then, yeah, the design will wander. And then if we forget to test that, then, yeah, it's, it's, right. we lose it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> um, and I think also, like, that, that also can go along with as teams are working separately, like here at Canopy, work in separate teams on separate parts of an application. Mm -hmm. How can we test across those in terms of doing one thing and transitioning to the next thing? Because we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to think about. Just imagine, side note, <laughs> just imagine Framer X with artboard components. Yeah. And nested components. We could have like the test whole the experience. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just get on that, Patrick. You just start. Designing our entire app. Try and we're gonna do it. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing. I'm writing your to do right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> type. 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 All right. Zing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> um, so like now, now that we're talking about testing, um, can you tell us a little bit more about like um, who is involved in testing? You as a designer, are obviously there. Mm -hmm. um, do you involve your developers? Do you involve other members of your team? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think it, it depends on the test, and it's not the same every single time, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, in, involving developers is great. Involving obviously product managers is great. Um, other designers, I think you should always avoid, if possible, just testing by yourself. It's really difficult nay, impossible to run a test and take notes and do every, all that effectively, right? Mm -hmm. So having another person there to just observe and take notes or to, to be the, the moderator to run the test, uh, to ask questions, that's another thing we, that I often struggle with is we, we, we run the test, we see the user fail, and then we're like, great, I'm going to go fix that. But we don't figure out why is it that they failed. Um, and so having another person there in the, in the room with you, be a developer or another designer or PM or your VP of product or, you know, whoever it is coming with you. It'll, I think it allows one of you um, to dive deeper in the test, right, and figure out, okay, so that was really difficult for you. Can you tell me what were you thinking when you clicked this? What were you expecting to see when this happened? Mm -hmm. uh, just getting a little more context there. If, you, if you're doing it by yourself, it's really difficult to do that and then capture it. Yeah. You just have to remember everything. <laughs> right. I get, and you can record it, I guess, take notes. There's, sure. there's probably ways around it, but it's definitely more effective um, with two. Yeah, and I can also imagine, like, you can be in there and have your insights. Like, you'll take things out of that test that you've learned where you can have another person that comes from a different perspective that's going to have a, a, other insights that you haven't even thought of at all. Totally. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's, like, just added, you're adding more information more takeaways from the test, I think, mm -hmm. as you add more people. So, yeah. Um, so, is there like you said, like there's a difference, like in some tests you don't include some people. Like, I guess it depends on the test, as you said. Like yeah. starting out, what does that look like, and what does it look like when you're having the final like usability tests? Like, what is that for you? Um, honestly, I think who comes in on the test, it's it's less relevant at what stage we're in the testing, but more of just like a. For, for me anyway, it's it's more of a, a convenience thing, right? Like, this developer's free, can you come test with me? Yeah. Or this product manager feels really strongly about this particular feature, so come in and help me test. Uh, bringing people in and testing can be a tool if you're um, trying to get management excited about what UX is, so maybe that's the time that you bring them in with you. Um, I think who you're bringing in on the test is less relevant to the, to this stage, um, and, and it's more of just who, who you're bringing in is, is uh, relative to what you're trying to accomplish with that person, yeah. right? Be it that they're just an assistant or that you're trying to help them by uh, having them see what it's like to, to do a user test. That makes sense. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, okay. yeah. It would make more sense to have somebody that is relevant to whatever you're trying to figure out the test is right. to be involved. Um, I like that a lot. And so along those lines, in terms of like, like buy-in, let's say a designer, you know, you, you've had a lot of great suggestions and we should test more. So a designer wants to start testing more. How do they get the buy-in to do, to take the time to test more, to take the time to recruit people, um, to take other people's time away from what they're doing to get them involved in testing? Um, how is that? How has that worked for you as you've started in a company that, for example, has not had a UX designer in the, in the past? Right. Yeah, it's, that's really tough. Um, I think the greatest tool uh, in convincing that we need more testing is showing where we've been wrong. 
um, an idea that the companies had, uh, the company that I'm working at right now, they've got a lot of assumptions about how the product should be and how it should think. And we've done some some research and some testing and, and found that a lot of our assumptions were incorrect. And I think when you show that to executives, management, whoever it is that needs to approve you doing more testing, and say, hey, we all assumed this, we all thought this, you felt good about this. We did testing and we found that was wrong. So imagine what else might be wrong that we're assuming because we haven't tested. Um, I think that shows a, a real value in in testing. Yeah. And then there's always too like showing the ROI, right? Like we did this app, we did this testing, and the new release came and we made this much more money, right? And so imagine if we did this much more testing and we found out that this much more about our users and how they're trying to use the product. Uh, imagine what the return investment could be. Mm-hmm. Those things are hard to show and, yeah. and it's really tedious <laughs> to try to make those, uh, those calculations. But I think this, those are really helpful in convincing somebody that it's worth, worth their time. Yeah, awesome. So it sounds a lot of, like a lot of that includes like actually displaying, like showing them data, right? Yeah, like for sure. Showing them results yeah. um, can help them make that decision, right? Yeah, I think also just bringing them in into the process like we mentioned before, like bring them in on a user test. Because they're going to come in with a lot of assumptions, mm-hmm. uh, be it that they like the design or they don't like the design, and guaranteed those assumptions will be shattered when they see the user. Every single time I do a test, I always think it's going to go a certain way, be it good or bad, and there's always something that surprises me. And I'm like, man, I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, showing them that there's validity in doing testing by involving them in a test and showing how our assumptions are, are broken when we test I think it's really valuable in, in showing the importance of it. Yeah, awesome. Great. Um, another question I have um, for for testing, something that's obviously very important is not showing bias in your tests, right? Yeah. Not over-describing something, not allowing your users to, you know, not basically leading them because obviously the results of the test will be inconclusive and, yeah. <laughs> and there's no reason to do a test in the first place, right? Right. So um, this can be a challenge, especially when it's earlier on, when you have a very like, like low fidelity concept that you're trying to test. Yeah, for so sure. So how do you go about um, doing a sort of test that's, that's, you know, in the early stages without biasing your users? <laughs> uh, it's tough. <laughs> I mean, because we, we, we want our designs to succeed, right? We want them to be, the, the idea, the brainchild that we have, we want it to be the right, the right solution. And so it's hard not to to direct them. I think being super vague uh, is helpful in that. It, like if you have a, a test where you're trying to get them to do a specific task and that task lies under a button that's named the name of the task or whatever, it's easy to say, like, can you do blank task? And they're like, oh, yeah, I see that word in the button. Click. Mm-hmm. But you don't know in the natural environment, are they going to think that word when they think of this task? So being as vague as possible when you're trying to say accomplish this thing using this interface, uh, I think helps remove some of that some of that bias. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a, I asked you a hard question. Sure. <laughs> you brought up you brought up earlier like card sorts. I know in the yeah. in the early on that's a good way to kind of remove bias because you're you're sort of just giving them information and comparing the two. Yeah. I think I think uh, the hard part about early on is when you have a concept that you're trying to explain, 
Right. Right. You're like, <laughs> you here's almost this, have to lead them. Into right. Something. Here's this idea that we have. And so this is one view of that idea that you would be seeing. Yeah. Imagine that all this thing is together and you've introduced so much by the yeah. time you're done with that. Yeah. As soon as you ask them to imagine something. Right. Then, yeah, right. That's a problem right. <laughs> right. And yeah, card sorting is great because uh, you get to ask the user to design the app essentially without asking the user to design the app. Yeah. It's a, it's a great way to, to have this window essentially into how their brain is, is working because you've got all these assumptions about how all of the different pieces of your app fit together. And that's often, I think, the thing we think is most obvious, right? Well, obviously, these things go together here. But you do card sorting and you realize, no, people think that these two things go together. What? Why is that the case? You know, like, that's so surprising. But well, that's isn't that? I mean, that's what you're testing, right? Is we always say we're not testing the people, right? To make them feel bad about right. themselves when they yeah. fail, right? But we're not testing the interface either. Like what we're really testing is their expectation of what they're going to experience, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not testing... What, what I always say is I'm not testing you or your abilities, right? How good you are interacting with software. But you're right in the same time that we're not... It's not like we're testing how good the interface is. We're testing do our expectations and assumptions about how people think about this thing match what yours are? And if they don't match, is that because you're just different and weird from everybody, the majority? <laughs> or is there a pattern here from everybody else and I'm the weird one and yeah. we need to readjust the design accordingly. It, you, it almost seems like you're testing the the alignment of the idea, right? Yeah, like, totally. To see if it matches. Like you're, you're just matching things together. Right. On some level. Huh, that's interesting. Glad you brought that up. Yeah, I like that. Because you said you're testing your brain. <laughs> I think that's kind of what we do is like we're not testing we're not testing them as a person. We're not testing the interface necessarily, but like you said, we're testing their brain. Right. <laughs> right. Which and there's so much baggage in a comp, like accompanying that. Right. We've yeah. got all their life experiences, and it's not enough to just find out. Oh, it didn't align. Right. The way I think about this isn't the way they think about it. Okay, I'll go back and redo it. We have to figure out how do they think about it. If they're not thinking about it this way, how are they thinking about it? Yeah. And that gets really tricky to not lead them when you start asking those mm -hmm. questions. Yeah. You're like, how come you didn't push this button? <clears throat> oh, I see that now. Yeah, yeah, I should have done that. No, no, but how come you, <laughs> you push this instead? You know, like, yeah. how, do you, how do you ask those questions without making them feel bad or leading them to, to thinking that your way is the right way? So in that, in that, I know one method of doing that that's been, that's been widely used is, is having them talk through the test. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have your users talk through the test? How does that work? Yeah, sometimes it's like, sometimes it gets awkward. You're like, just be as vocal as you can. Oops, sorry. Vocalize <laughs> all of your thoughts as you're going through. And they'll do that for like the first 15 seconds. And then they go silent for like two minutes. And you're, you have to kind of probe them a little bit, right? And be like, yeah. okay, so tell me why you just tapped that. What are you thinking? Where, where do you think that's going? What are you expecting uh, did you see what you were expecting when you tapped that? Um, yeah, otherwise, it's it's rare that, I, that you find a user, you tell them to narrate their thoughts, and then they just they just do it the whole test yeah. through. That's because well, we don't, I mean, we don't naturally do that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Andy right. does when he's working all day. My like comment is so sick of me. Just mumbling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like a constant, oh, over here. Oh, why did Sketch do this? Oh, I got to do it. 
That's great. Can't use the resize tool anymore. They broke it. Uh, yeah. Like the whole day. Just... Yeah. Everyone on my team has noise canceling headphones because they're just. <laughs> They're going to put me in the corner. <laughs> you would be a fantastic user to test. I know. In fact, can we bring you in? Yes, I am available. <laughs> and he's available for hire as professional <laughs> tester. User you should go to usertesting.com and get paid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Top dollar. Yeah. You're already trained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't really do that, by the way. No, I don't do that. He's the most quiet person. I've, that's why I said it. I would have never guessed. Yeah, I, I don't tell anybody my thoughts. Mm-mm. Nope. It's awesome. Closed box. <laughs> <It's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a problem with Patrick. <laughs> it's all coming out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Back, back on track here. <laughs> Um, yeah. How, how often, how often are you user testing like in your standard current process now? Um, right now it's been, uh, kind of difficult, uh, kind of in a weird situation. We have this service that's getting, that we've been paying for and kind of using as our own. It's getting turned off. And mm-hmm. so we have to, we have a deadline where something has to be redesigned and built or our customers are going to lose access to their thing. And so, um, we uh, haven't been testing a ton. We've just been doing a lot of designs. But my previous position working on language learning apps, uh, we were testing two times a week. We'd have users come up and uh, at a scheduled regular time. And that sort of pushed us to have something ready to test for them when they came in, um, which kind of kept us on our toes with the work that we were, we were doing. Um, how long, how often was that time that they would come? Two times a week. Two times a week. Yeah, different people two times a week. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a very unique experience. uh, And it's obviously not the norm. Most companies don't have that ability. Uh, But it was great to have so much experience testing. Just again and again and again and again, more and more and more tests. Uh, We learned a ton. Were they they the same users? No, different users every time. Different users. So actually, that's not true. Sometimes... Sometimes we'd have the same users come back uh, if we were testing learning outcomes. So we'd have them oh, okay. do a test, run through our prototype or whatever. Then they'd come back a week later and we'd test them on their knowledge or their ability or we'd, or we'd give them a, a different set of words or, or whatever and, and have them run through the same prototype. Hmm. Uh, but that was really more learning experience design and, and less user experience design. But I got to kind of be involved with that as well. Um, but yeah, now... Uh, we test where we can. It's difficult because we work with real estate agents and, and they're pretty closed off. Um, they don't want to share yeah. their secrets. Uh, <laughs> so it's hard to find users to test, but we um, you, you test random people uh, who may, may necessarily aren't your users or could be in the future. Um, you test people in the office, which isn't the most effective thing, but it's better than not testing, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, the real estate agents, you got to pay them 6%. Right. <laughs> they won't even show up. Right. They're, not even, they're just going to be like, what is this crap? <laughs> um, how has that, just in general, like personally from your from a design growth perspective, mm-hmm. like your personal growth perspective, how's that, how has testing helped you become a better designer? It's very humbling. 
because uh, you just find out that you're wrong all the time. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, I think that the less you test, the more prideful you get, right? Because you can you can go on a dribble and see all these beautiful things and copy those beautiful things into your app, and you produce this thing, and you're just if if you're in this vacuum, it's like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Designing this cool thing. But then you put it in front of users and it's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> this app is so bad. I totally didn't understand the problem like I thought I did. Uh, and I think sometimes as, as UX designers, we think we are really good at understanding what users need just inherently right off the back and then producing beautiful designs to, to meet those needs. But that's not what UX design is. I think UX design is really being good at knowing how to ask the right questions. And, and that's putting stuff in front of users, right? That's testing. Yeah. So if you're not doing a lot of testing, I don't think you're really doing UX design, right? You might be thinking about good interaction principles and you might be thinking about things that are related to UX design, but if you're not testing a lot, then it's it's hard to say you're really doing UX design. I'm, yeah. I'm, maybe that's too much to say. No, that's the quote, right? <laughs> that's the quote. That's the headline. That's the quote. We get that embroidered on my pillow. <laughs> get a t-shirt, a flag. A t-shirt. Lose some stuff. Yeah. 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 But so I, you're not I'm testing, a... you're not doing UX design. Yeah. I like that though, because I, I think that's I think that's uh, I think that's pretty true. I think in in the world of design thinking and trying to be empathetic to the user and trying to like know everything about design, like designers get lost in their own brains. Totally. And then yeah, you put it in front of a you put it in front of a user, and they can't even find the button. They can't even do task one, which is find the button. And it's obvious, right? It's like, oop, I did something wrong. Yeah, yeah, or a lot of things obviously, wrong. I don't know how to design. I think a good indicator sometimes too that that testing needs to happen is if you're working with other designers and you show them your designs, and they're like, uh, I don't necessarily agree with those things. Anytime there's friction between two designers, mm-hmm. like put it in front of a user and see, and it's probably going to be different from what either of you think i probably actually right right (laughs) and probably another good indication that you should test is if you both agree (laughs) because it probably means that you're both in the same vacuum and and you need to put it in front of users if you're both just two people sitting together going yeah this thing is awesome this design is so rad you you probably need to get humbled a little bit and and put it in front of some users (laughs) i think the answer is you always need to put it yeah yeah i think so yeah i think that's i think that's the point (laughs) i like that (laughs) That's great. All right. Um, that's all the questions I have. Uh, uh, well, how, like, if you're, one last question, just mm-hmm. if you're, if, if you've got a new designer, um, they're coming in, they're coming in the UX, yeah. working on your team, yeah. like, what's the first thing that you would challenge them to do as far as the testing process? Like, what's the first thing you would tell them to do? Because it can be big and complicated. Sure. And, but what, what's the one thing that you would, you would tell them to start with? Like if they've never done user testing before, and I'm like, this is the best user test to start with. Yeah, what, how to jump in, how to jump in the water. Yeah, I think, uh, I think really, really early testing is, is difficult, and there's, it's kind of a creative challenge to figure out how to do that effectively. And I think really, really late testing with when you've got solid UI uh, is difficult because you've spent so much time in that design. So I think right in the middle where you're kind of you're doing low-fidelity, wireframey, gray box type it's definitely clear enough that the user can understand what it is. There's no color or anything that you're stressed about. But you haven't spent so much time in the design that it's devastating to find out that it fails. Yeah. 
uh, I think that's a great place to start and with tests. Give them and then hopefully you keep going and you do lots more in, yeah. in both ends of the spectrum. But that's probably the, the, the lowest uh, barrier of entry test. So they can dip their foot in the water, not jump in the water with the sharks. Right, with the sharks. With the zombie sharks. With the zombie eat. sharks. That was a great tie-in. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we'll cut the whole beginning out so the audience won't even know. Right. So it's even better. Right. <laughs> cool. Do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, anything else to add? No, I. Uh, yeah, just test. Test, or you're not a designer. <laughs> test or you're not a designer yeah, that's a challenge that's a good <laughs> challenge <laughs> cool yeah thanks for coming on yeah thank you glad to be here it was awesome the fox ran fast twice past the dog Well, Andy, that was another great conversation. That was another great conversation, but this time with Brett. That's right. Yeah, it was good. If you guys want to continue the conversation, uh, go to designmuch.org and leave a comment or two. If you think the topic would benefit another designer or even your design team, feel free to share it and get them involved in the conversation as well. One quick announcement, uh, Lunch UX announcement. Lunch UX will be, uh, will be on October 26th. Uh, it will be somewhere, and somebody will be teaching us about something. That sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. <laughs> I'm excited about that. <laughs> uh, if you want to keep posted on that, uh, just go to meetup.com slash lunchux, and then as we get as we get the uh, meetup posted, it'll be there. It'll yeah. show up. You'll see the details yeah. there. And if you join the meetup, the lunchux meetup, then they'll send they'll send you an email. Yeah. Yeah. So do that for sure. If you're not already, we we got a lot of members there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely be sure to sign join. up if you're in Utah, because we don't. We had a message that somebody somebody asked if we recorded the sessions, and I yeah. said we're not very professional. <laughs> but if you're not in Utah, you can you can make the trip out. Yeah, you can fly out. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Launch UX. <laughs> Have some cheap pizza that you could get at home. Yeah, yeah. We get to see Patrick in the flesh. Give him a big hug. Yeah, Andy's Andy's there. Yeah, you give Andy a hug. Andy loves hugs. I love hugs. Uh, so Brett, we yeah. talked to him about user testing. Yeah, how to test designs at every step. Yeah, how to test at every step. What what did uh, what did you learn, Andy? There's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, what, I liked what he said. Like as as soon as you have an idea that you think could be the answer, that could be the solution for your users, you should start testing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like really early on. Like you have an idea of a solution, you've done your research, like. I should start testing this idea. So he did talk about like whiteboard testing or like white, you know, testing his whiteboard mocks, stuff like that, um, which is difficult to do. Yeah. Um, But he, you know, he talked about how you can do like card sorting to figure out the architecture and um, labeling of of the app and kind of test the bigger principles and then, you know, test the smaller ones later as you have higher fidelity designs. Um, What I really liked as well is um, how he said testing can be a tool for your team members. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, which team member you choose to invite into a test can be determined by what you are trying to accomplish with that person. So, like, if you want to increase like the design process involvement with developers, of course, like awareness or just you know plain empathy or excitement about the test, you can choose to bring those people in. Um, so, I like that a lot. 
So it's not only a, a way for you to learn if the design is the right design, but also to, you know, spread that design, the love for design out there yeah. <laughs> through the rest of your company. Um, you know, that, that design thinking, you got to spread that, Patrick. Design thinking, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also what I really liked is the more you test, the more humble you get. And why is that, Patrick? Why, why do you get more humble when you test? Um, what did because he say? You, you learn. Because you learn. And you learn about how horrible of a designer you are <laughs> yeah. when you test. Because you learn, you, learn, uh, you learn that maybe you didn't solve the problem. Yeah. You thought you solved the problem, but you didn't solve the problem. Yeah. You learn that maybe you make assumptions about your users that you really, that, that like you don't really know. Yeah. And I, I, that's what he, he brought up earlier uh, in the thing, too, was... Um, as designers, we think we know our users really well, mm-hmm. but we don't. Yeah. I think we think we know our users really well. We know what they want, but we don't really know what they want until we user test it. Yeah, we see ourselves as like the the leaders or the um, the people who fight for the users, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our title as user experience designers. But yeah, we don't actually know that much. Huh. We're not in their heads, right? Um, so the more you test, the more humble you will be. And the better designer you will be if you are more humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, of course, like the big line of this whole thing, UX design is being good at knowing how to ask the right questions, which basically is testing. Mm-hmm. And so that means if you are not testing, you are not doing UX design. No, that's true. I think I think you can get rid of the UX part too. Yeah. And just say sure. if you are not testing, you are not really designing. Yeah. Like in a sense, I would agree. So that all great stuff, that yeah. and, and more from the the episode for sure. Yeah, uh, I I totally hundred percent agree with everything you said. Uh, I really liked uh, one point that I really liked too is um, he basically brought up the idea that testing only works if we know what the problem is. Too. Oh yeah, it's like we can test all day long, but if we're not if we don't understand what we're testing or trying to solve, then it doesn't really matter either. Yeah, exactly. Like we have to know, we have to have a defined problem, be able to test it and see if there's a problem. See otherwise, if, see if the problem exists. Otherwise you're just testing yeah. for the sake of testing. Yeah, you're just doing it. Yeah. It's like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> but if you don't know what the problem is and then you test it, you don't know if you solved the problem that you were trying to design for, which means you wasted design. Yeah. You wasted time, money, all kinds of stuff because you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, he said something like testing allows us to understand if understand uh, what we created actually solves the problem. Yeah, like that's the whole point of testing. Um, yeah, overall, really good episode. I really liked what he talked about because it's more than just like, oh, we should all user test, but <laughs> why we should user test and what was the reason? And, Which is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Lesson learned for me is understand the problem you're designing for. Which. If you don't understand the problem that you're designing for, why are you designing? Ouch. <laughs> it's true. Why are you doing what you're doing? You could just be updating things to make it look pretty, but why are you doing yeah. that? Is there a reason for it? Um, it? It all comes down to that, honestly. The other thing about testing, too, I think you brought this up, was uh, I think sometimes we design stuff that we don't even know. The, the problem doesn't even exist. That's true. <laughs> like sometimes we design things and there's no problem to like why did we even design it? There's no problem there. Why did we Well it's because we're designers and we get this project and we see something like, oh that, that doesn't look right. That's yeah. not the way I would do it, so you have to change it. 
<laughs> we all do that. <laughs> or before it was working just fine, and then you redesigned it, and now there's a big problem in there because you got all cutesy. And, yeah, you made a new problem. Yeah, you weren't focused on what the actual goal. Yeah. Exactly. No, great episode. Great episode. Can't agree more. Yeah. It's on your mind, Andy. It's on my mind. Yeah? You got anything on your mind? There's no LaCroix in the office. There's no LaCroix in the office, no. I need to bring some in. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll, I'll give you a small fun fact. Last time, this is similar to la- last time's fun <laughs> fact of it was National Hamburger National Day. National Hamburger Day? I was just informed. <laughs> Today is National Taco Day. National Taco Day? Yeah, apparently. It's National Taco Day. Breaking news. It's National Taco Day. We, we at Design Watch give you all of your your fast food news. That's terrible. <laughs> we only record on national food holidays like this. Yeah. It's National Taco Day, huh? So Apparently. that means Taco Bell? Taco they Bell. Because they, uh, they were just ranked the number one Mexican food restaurant oh, in America. Oh, so we're giving us some more hard-hitting news. <laughs> I didn't know that. The only the only problem with that is Taco Bell's not really Mexican food. I mean, <laughs> I guess it is, but it's not. No, right? it's it's not Mexican food. It's American food. Just because it's in a taco doesn't make it Mexican food. Yeah, I would agree. Well, let's go get tacos. <laughs> so it's National Taco Day. Yeah. We can't really talk about taco construction too much because it's pretty much yeah, it's pretty standard. You can't really mess it up, really, unless you're putting the lettuce on the bottom. I mean, there's no top and bottom really to the taco. There is a top and bottom. There's an inside. The the shell holds everything together. Oh, sure, yeah. But there is like the way you're stacking your ingredients of a taco. You could be doing that wrong. (laughs) That's possible. Yeah. Do you? Speaking of that, though. Maybe maybe we can get milk a few minutes out of this. <laughs> do you ever put cheese in the bottom of the taco? No, I never do. You've never done that. I'll tell you why. Because cheese looks really pretty on the top of the taco. I know, but you can put it in both places. You can, but it looks way better on top. <laughs> it looks like oh man, that's all that cheese on top. You do. It's pretty. I mean, you build a taco based on the based on the aesthetic of the taco for that's the true. most part. Yeah. It's all going to the same place, and it's yeah. It's unless you're like you know holding it upside down, it's not falling out. So you yeah. should do it the way you want, make it look pretty. Yeah, it's all about the UI. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fun fact: tacos, <laughs> tacos are not the greatest thing to eat while you're driving. Did you notice that? Did you know, I, you know, I have that? never had that experience. Have you never tried doing that? No, I haven't. No. Well, it's unsafe, so don't try. It's it. unsafe. Yeah, you shouldn't eat it all while you're driving. Yeah, but if you do, it's tacos not like tacos not the way to go because you got to tilt your head. To yeah, put the, to eat the taco, you got to tilt your head. But your head's already tilted anyway when you got it out the window, right? Like usually, that's how you drive. Yeah, you got the one arm out of the window. Got the one arm out. Well, I'm usually like gangster style too, with the arm up high. Uh huh. Yeah, and then kind of leaning back. The seat is all the, the way seat. down to the ground and back as far as it mm-hmm. can go. So your arm is like all the way stretched so out. You're doing the monkey arm thing with the arm all the way stretched out. And then yeah. you look, you're driving through the steering wheel, not, <laughs> not above the steering wheel. Getting ready for when you're in your 80s and you yeah. <laughs> already are looking through the steering wheel like a little old lady. And then you have the gangster lean to the side. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And so then, if you're doing the gangster lean drive, then the taco probably works. Yeah, it's just fine. <laughs> but but anything else, you're looking at more something more like a McDonald's cheeseburger to take care of you while you're driving. It's also kind of a bad idea too, though. It's all it's all a bad idea. I can Dri- slip around. Doing anything other than driving while driving is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're doing the gangsta stuff, that's important. You can't. But you're still focused on that. That all yeah, still goes to driving. It does, but yeah. there are some concerns with that, right? Because you're not you're not doing the ten and two thing with your hands. You're only driving with one hand. Yeah, but the ten and two thing's a lie, dude. Is it a lie? Yeah, it's a really? Lie. Yeah. No way. It's a total lie. Do you drive with your hands on 10 too? Like some. I don't because I'm doing the gangsta lean. Yeah. But I know I should be. (laughs) (laughs) It might be better if I did 10 and 2. I might be more safe. Yeah, it might be more safe. But I I don't know. I don't know. If you have your hands on 10 and 2, I don't know how you turn a corner. (laughs) You got to put your (laughs) shoulders into that thing, your whole body. (laughs) Because your arms, you're not like an owl. Like your arms don't twist all the way around. Yeah. I think, I think the way you actually are supposed to do it, Patrick. You probably didn't know this. I was just driving. <laughs> Trevor said, "Since the steering wheel is a circle, you just move it, and then your hand grabs the next." <gasps> you let one. go of the steering wheel for just a second, <laughs> but only one hand at a time. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to let go of the steering wheel. Just one hand. Then, if it's okay to let go of the steering wheel and have one hand on the steering wheel. Then just leave one hand on the steering wheel and be comfortable while you drive. Yeah. Right? Get the gangster lean, get the get the arm up real high. Yes. The other hand's on the taco. Yeah. <laughs> the other hand for your taco. And you celebrate National Taco Day. Well, that wraps up another great episode of this <laughs> podcast. Uh yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah, peace out. example i didn't assign a microphone to that so don't pop up a toast a a message dialogue because i already know i did it on purpose